Welcome to the Ben Wood Johnson Podcast. You can visit Dr. Johnson's blog at benwoodpost.com. Dr. Johnson's works can be found at drbenwoodjohnson.com. You can also support Dr. Johnson on Patreon, the link to which is in the description. Hey, 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 welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Benwood Johnson podcast. Today is June the 21st, 2021. Uh, this is podcast number 68. Um, happy to have you back one more time to talk about philosophy. Uh, in the podcast today, we are going to talk about crime. Uh, the concept of crime is going to be a part of a series of conversations we will entertain within the next few uh few weeks um, in this podcast. And today we're going to introduce the concept in terms of the foundation of crime. So what do we mean when we say crime? Uh, trying to make sense of the connotations of the concept itself. So this podcast delves a little bit into the nonsensical of the concept, at least from a philosophical standpoint. So crime is usually understood as a wrong so prohibited, so perpetrated by a person to whom, or at least to which, uh, there ought to be uh, consequences. And usually those consequences entail prison time, fine, other types of sanctions, and public shaming, of course. So this is ludicrous considering that human beings were designed to be the way that they are. So crime, the concept itself, undermines human nature. So without further ado, let us delve right into it. The foundation of every society entails the notion of law and order. Now, Law in order, although it sounds like an old cliché, is an important concept to understand. It is an important concept to grasp because the underpinnings of the interaction between members of society is going to be based on that understanding. So law and order define the conjecture of society. And the notion of law and order itself is based on understandings pertaining to morality, notions of righteousness, notion of virtue, right and wrong, or wrong, good or bad. And the foundations, or at least these foundations, constitute society as we know it. Because whatever we do, or whatever we don't do, is going to be judged based on either what we did or what we didn't do. In other words, our behavior 
our comportment, our demeanor, our actions, our omissions are going to be assessed based on those standards of comportment, beingness, behavior, demeanor, and whatnot. So in other words, they constitute the norm of our society. And that norm, to say it in a different way, the normal of a society is what defines how people are supposed to be or are expected to be. Anything outside of the norm is a deviance, is an outlier, is something abnormal. Thus, it's criminal. Society is based on this understanding that when you behave according to expectations, you are normal. And when you behave despite expectations, you are abnormal so long as you do not do arms to others. And when you do do harm to others or cause harm to others, then you become a criminal. Because the, the definition of anything that falls outside the norm is either abnormal, in which case that abnormality could be described as a mental deviance, as a societal deviance, but the founder, that is the, 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 the crux of the abnormality could be defined as a crime. So a crime is any behavior that falls outside the norm, which is prohibited by a particular set of law. So in other words, it is criminal when it is abnormal, thus unacceptable. It is criminal when it is a deviance, thus unacceptable. It is criminal when it is deemed as such. That is, there is a law that says this particular behavior is a crime. And anyone who is caught committing a crime Anyone who is found guilty of committing the crime, either by commission or by omission, that individual is described as a criminal. Now, we have to go back a little bit to understand the underpinnings of the term crime itself. Because you see, when we are talking about crime and we are talking about a person, then there are certain important concepts we have to understand right off the bat. Because you see, if we are looking at the, the term crime from a philosophical standpoint, then one wonders, well, who is a criminal and who is not a criminal? Are you a criminal because you did or didn't do what was expected of you? Or are you a criminal because somehow you are inherently evil at your core? Somehow you are intrinsically 
a bad person at your core beingness? Well, these are important questions which academia and even modern philosophy has not talked about, has not touched over the years. But I think it is important as we delve in this conversation about crime that we try to make sense of the concept in context because here we're not talking about crime as, a, as an academic field. We're not talking about crime as a subject of interest in terms of just to talk about it. We're talking about crime in terms of its implications for the being. We're talking about crime in terms of its ramifications for the person to preserve his beingness. Because every facet, to repeat myself, of the relationship people entertain with themselves is based on understandings about who's righteous, who's not. It's based on understanding about who's moral and who's not. It's based on understandings about who's criminal and who's not. And usually, Criminality is defined as humanity. And to that extent, a criminal is a person who has no human worth. A criminal is a person who supposedly gave up his right to exist. A criminal is a person who supposedly abandoned his nature, abandoned his humanity, abandoned his humanhood. And therefore, so long as an individual is found to have committed or omitted a behavior or as uh, found to have committed a crime, that individual is said to have surrendered his humanness, his beingness. But the question, is that really the case? Well, the answer is simple. Absolutely not. Now, in our idiosyncrasies, as as a society or as societies, we have come to believe that certain things are true to the extent that they fit a particular understanding or a particular narrative. But, but that does not necessarily make it so. So in other words, a criminal is not necessarily an evil person. A criminal or someone who could be defined as such is not necessarily a bad person. To be a criminal is to simply be someone who has fallen outside the expected norms, outside expected conduct, outside of, outside of expected behaviors. But the individual, at every step of the way, retains his human identity, retains his right to exist, retains his, his freedom to be, or natural freedom to be, as his nature designed him to be. So everything else is based on our capricious understanding of the world and what it is. Now, criminality has caused so much pain in this world. Either those who engage in behaviors that could be defined as criminal, and those who are supposedly the gatekeepers, who are supposedly the protectors of society. Now, the question becomes, why is there a need for order? Why is there a need for law? Now, I have debated this question in previous podcasts where I have talked about 
the need for society to be the way that it is. And the foundation of society itself is based on a fallacious understanding as to who we are. It's this understanding that somehow we agreed to be this way. We entered, so-called, in a social contract with ourselves. In which case we agreed to give up who we are just so we can be. Of course, this understanding is ludicrous and at its face. It's, it's nonsensical to say the least. Yet, that is the foundation of our social world. Where we claim to be who we are because we agree not to be who we are. See? So, the, the, the concept of society undermines humanity at its core. It undermines the notion of humanhood at its core. Of course, it is said to be in the interest of humanity, but it is not, really. It is not, really, because society is not about humanity. Society is about preserving a status quo which would make it possible for certain entities to continue existing the way that they are. But the notion of society itself is a fallacious understanding. And let me give you a trivial example, perhaps that would help you clarify, at least help you understand what I mean here. Suppose that a group of people are evolving in a jungle, somewhere in the world. In that jungle, people are just evolving. And what that means is that people are born into an agglomeration of people, and rules are not defined to the extent that certain expectations are duly expected. And what that means is that people are just responsible for themselves. Um, and let's say in this particular environment, hunting is the way to survive. So, so long as the individual is able to provide for himself, the individual goes out and provides for himself. In this environment, one could assume that there might be some rules which might derive from traditions. And by traditions, I mean there is a certain way of doing things. That certain way, over time, might become a tradition. And as a tradition, it might become a rule. Let us say, for instance, in this particular group of people, traditionally, the guy who went out and hunt and caught a big uh, meal would always bring that meal back to the community and would share it with everybody else. So in this case, the expectation is that when one goes out and one hunts and catches a big meal, one has an obligation to come back to that uh, group and share it. And it is not necessarily that one particular individual who would do that it's it's everybody anyone who goes out and do or does something that would could benefit everybody else then would come back and help so that tradition we could call it a utilitarian approach right let us call it that way because whatever the individual does it would be to the benefit of everybody else but there might also be a tradition in that group where it's every man for himself. So meaning anytime somebody goes out and finds something, he just eats it on the spot and that's it. Those are traditions where individual is sort of 
looking after himself. Of course, we could call this approach some sort of selfish uh, approach to survival. But in this community, or in this particular community, there would be certain traditions which would probably guide behaviors. But there might not be punishments. There might not be consequences for not adhering to that particular tradition. And if there were, they might not be stringent to the extent where the beingness of the person who goes out and hunt is incumbent upon whether or not he brings something to the herd or to the other group. Right? And that's the foundation of our society. Society is designed in such a way that um, expectations are so individualistic that they become obligations. And in the midst of those obligations, any conduct, any behavior that falls outside of those obligations could be defined as abnormal, therefore could become criminal. And this is where the problem lies in modern society. Conducts that are natural, that are, that are if we were to look at them from the perspective of nature itself, that would be normal. In a particular social environment could be defined as immoral, unacceptable, therefore criminal. But the consequences of, of being defined as such carries some very hefty weight. They could undermine the humanity of the person being defined or described as a criminal. And to give you another example, let us say that Joan lives in a modern society. And in that modern society, it is said that one shall not steal. One shall not take anything that, that belongs to another. And Joan happens to be hungry. And as he's hungry, he's looking for something to eat. And along the way, he sees a, an apple tree. So in this society, where in modern societies, there's no such thing as a free meal, as they say. So if John were to reach out and grab an apple from that tree and eat it, that act would constitute a crime. Because in modern society, that tree probably belonged to some third entity. And that entity might feel harmed by the fact that John reached and grabbed an apple from his tree to eat. And that entity might require that either John pays him back or John pays for the act that he committed on his property. So in other words, it is very likely that John would be arrested John would be sent to jail for the crime of theft. Does that make John a bad person? Does that make John immoral? Does that mean that John lacks any sense of virtue? Does that mean that John is inherently evil, intrinsically bad? Well, the answer is certainly no. But not in today's society. In today's society, the answer is definitely yes. 
and John would pay, he would go to jail, he would lose his humanhood as a result of that act. Now the act itself has nothing wrong in it to the extent that John is hungry and he reached out and grabbed an apple and eat. The act itself has nothing immoral in it so long as John is hungry. If you are hungry and there's food available, then you ought to reach out and find and grab that food. But in the social order of today's society, you cannot do so. You are not expected to do so. It is against the norm to do so. And the value, so-called, that every human being should have is to starve yourself to death if you're hungry. Now, we could debate the, the nature of crime, which we will do eventually, but that does not necessarily turn a person into someone who somehow relinquished his rights. If John is hungry and reach out to an apple tree and grab an apple and eat it, that does not define John as a person. All it says is that John is hungry. And anyone who's hungry would do the same. But in modern society, this is a no-no. John is expected to know it. Society is expected to know it. And everybody's expected to know it. And there are people in society that are there, paid specifically to go after people like John. And when people like John are caught, they're brought within a system in which they go through, through a process of dehumanization where they lose their humanhood all the way from the moment they're caught or they're brought into the system and all the way until, if they're lucky, they get out of it. And even when they get out of the system, they're still not the same. There's something, there's a stain in their night and their human nature. There's a stain in their humanness. There's a stain in their beingness that will never be removed. So when we're talking about crime in this regard, what we're talking about is the nature of the concept to the extent that the nonsensical nature of the concept, okay? And we're going to delve into what crime is. We're going to delve into the implications of crime for humanity, for humanhood, for the human being, for the person. And we're going to assess this as philosophically as possible. We're going to assess this concept in the most germane philosophical mindset. <music>